Good morning. Good morning. Well, happy Lent. Now, well, I have to make a deal since I guess the microphones aren't working. Oh, they are working. Oh, good, because I was going to tell you if you fell asleep, wave your hand and I'll wake you. But okay, happy Lent. It's hi. It's the first Sunday in Lent. What do we always talk about on the first Sunday in Lent? Every year. Well, of course you know the answer, Scott. Temptation. Every year we talk about temptation. So, now, I couldn't think of a better way to start this morning by asking, what is the greatest temptation you have ever faced in your life or are dealing with right now? Who wants to share? Nobody? I mean, come on, let's be honest. If there's one thing we like to know about, we like to know about the temptations in other people's lives. We like to know what's going on with them. And we like to pretend that it never happens to us. Isn't that right? I mean, temptation, Oprah, Dr. Phil, Jerry Springer, he's a good one. Yeah, Judge Judy, CSI, all those shows and many more deal with temptation and what it can do in people like you and me. So we start today by talking about Jesus being tempted and how that can be a source of strength and power for you. They call this Temptation Sunday, okay? You can go home today and call somebody up and say, I celebrated Temptation Sunday, or I celebrated Satan Sunday. That's the other thing they call today, because it's all about what happens in our lives when we get drawn away from God and we find ourselves beginning Lent, that trip to the cross, that we might know that Jesus loves us and cares about us. Okay, we pray. And lead me not into temptation. Y'all know those words? Okay. Somebody says, well, I don't need any help finding it because I can see plenty of it in my own. Oh, yeah, you don't have any trouble finding temptation, do you? What is temptation? It's anything that can draw me away from Jesus Christ. Temptation is anything that can separate me from God's love. How many of us bought GameStop, GameStop a couple weeks ago? You've been following this story? Little toy company that makes computer games and stuff like that and they bid the price way up. Man, people were making money, and then they sold it all, and a lot of people lost money. Big story. Okay, how many of you made some bucks on GameStop? 
come on. You know, Lutherans, oh, not me, no. No, I would never make money in the stock market, ha, ha, ha. That's temptation. That's greed. That's my wanting to have something that I don't have. Martin Luther. Martin Luther said temptation is like the birds of the air. They're flying all over the place. You can't get rid of them. Just don't let them build a nest in your hair. So Luther didn't have good material, okay? You know, you just, but he did the best he could with what he had. Okay, let's go back to St. Mark. He's a little better. What, a couple weeks ago, what did we say Mark's favorite word is in his gospel? Thank you, Scott. Pastor Scott pays attention. Immediately. Okay, he uses it 41 times. The beginning of verse 10, immediately, Jesus comes out of the water after being baptized. God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Notice, there's no baptismal party. No cake, no pictures, no presents, no nothing. That Jesus immediately is moved on into the ministry. Verse 12. Jesus is immediately driven out into the wilderness. You know, we're talking temptation today. Look at your gospel lesson. How much time does Mark really spend talking about the temptation? A verse and a half. He donates a whole verse and a half to the temptation of Jesus. But yet, look what Jesus does. Jesus goes that place in this world that scares me the most. Jesus goes that place where I could die. That place where everything I hold dear could be torn away. That place where my loved ones and my friends and all the people who bring my life meeting could be taken from me. And my Lord Jesus, he stands there with me. Mark is writing to people 65 AD who are dying on because, because of their faith. And his message is clear. God will not give up on you. God is in power. God is in control. Immediately, immediately, your God is going to do something about this. He will not abandon you. Okay, look at... We can make it through a verse and a half, can't we? Look at what Mark says about the temptation. As compared to... Luke and Matthew, he's got a different story here. Okay, St. Mark, Mark, tell us something about what the temptations were. I look at the gospel lesson and I go, well, we're a little short on that today. It's just not there. St. Mark, who wins the temptation? 
Okay? I mean, Jesus gets tempted by Satan. You're good enough to tell us that, but um, how does it turn out? You know, Mark, we don't like the back losers unless you're a Packers fan or a Kansas City fan. You know, we're still getting over that, but we don't like the back losers. We want to know what's going on. Tell us, Mark. Why don't you tell us? And he doesn't. And he, have you ever been threatened by a lion that you might be eaten? No, no. I'd be pretty tasty, you know, but. No, I've never been threatened by a lion, but you know, I have had to face the wild animals of this world of anxiety, of fear, of anger, of doubt. Had all that stuff in my life and I've also had to face the consequences of bad decisions. That in my life, I've made a couple decisions that I look back on and I go, whoa. And I've had to deal with that. I've had to face those lions, those temptations, those temptation times. I'm thinking back to the year 2011. It was uh, September of 2011. Long about September 20th, and the call came that I needed to come home because my dad was dying. And I thought to myself, whoa, you know, I had just been in Salt Lake City in late August. And I thought we'd have a little more time, but I got on the airplane. My sister met me at the airport, and we went right to the hospice where my dad was. It was a beautiful place. I mean, it was like a Swiss ski lodge. And we went in there, and I found out everybody who enters there as a patient gets a private quilt made just for you. Now, what I didn't know was is when you die, that's the quilt they wrap you in when they wheel you out for the last time. So I get in the room, and my dad is comatose, and my mom sees me, and I get the big oldest son, Hug, and we're talking a little bit. My mom says, Alan, we've all been spending the night with your dad, and we thought you'd like to stay tonight. What are you going to say? You know, I'll be honest, there was a side of me that really wanted to do that, and there was a side of me that said, Mom, I've been on an airplane for five hours. This is pretty emotionally overloading. I'd just like a timeout. But I said, sure, sure, I'd be happy to stay. Do you know how dark it is at 1.30 in the morning? I'm sitting in this room with my dad. You know how much light there is? In those places, they have just that baseboard lighting, you know, so you don't fall. But it's so dark and so quiet. You could hear anything. And I'm holding my dad's hand. The only sound is his breathing. You know, that kind of rhythmic up and down. And I prayed with him. And then I had a good long cry. 
I just cried for the man I loved, who meant a lot to me. It's only taken me nine and a half years to talk about this, so... Why am I telling you this story? Because it helps me to understand Mark chapter 1. The lack of details, the way Mark moves us right through it, isn't that how life goes? That things happen over and over in life, and I don't get all the details, I don't get all the answers, I don't get all the explanations. All I know is that Jesus is there. Jesus is there with me. The wilderness. The wilderness can be out here, but it can also be in here. Those places I don't want to go, those places I don't want to visit, the things I've done that I never want you to know about or thought or said, that's the wilderness. So that, that experience gave me a whole different perception on what it is. When I get to a gospel lesson like this, and Mark's moving me right through it, and I realize how much life is like that, and I don't want life to be like that, but it is. And what does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. I've got a new perspective on that that what it really means for the light to shine is on the things that scare me to death. And death. Because in that moment, Jesus stood with me and he stands with you and we stand with him. Where does he stand? He stands in the darkness, in the wilderness. He stands in hell. We don't, Lutherans don't talk about hell too much anymore. Hell, the very places on this earth where God is not, he stands, and he stands at the right hand of God. At the right hand of God for you and me. That's why we begin Lent, talking about temptation times. He stands with us, for us, because of us, on account of us. And I can't think of a better way to begin land than with that kind of promise. Okay. What were the first songs you learned in Sunday school? And it didn't have to be a Lutheran Sunday school. It, it can be the competition, too. Uh, they're not competition. We all love Jesus. My first two were, Jesus loves me, and this little gospel light of mine. Okay? And I got to tell you, I like this little gospel light of mine, number one, because me and my buddies could go like this, and then we could poke the girls like this. Yeah, that gospel light song was pretty cool. I heard a story on the Today Show the other day about a man named Henry Darby. Henry Darby is a high school principal in Charleston, South Carolina. And 80% of the kids in his school live below the poverty line. 
And his work at that school is taking care of these kids. I mean, what do you do for kids who are sleeping underneath a bridge? Or what do you do for a little girl who has a baby in an abandoned car and then lives there trying to care for this infant? Okay, what do you do in a community where selling your body for money is considered a promotion? That's a step up. In life. That's the kind of world this man deals with. And he went out and he got a second job. He got a full-time job at Walmart at night, stocking shelves. Nobody knew who he was. All the people at Walmart said was he was special. He was special for the way he acted and lived. Well, somehow the story got out. Everything he made at Walmart, he's given to the kids and the families in this school. I mean, you look at these poor people in Texas, can you imagine what it'd be like never to have electric, never to have heat, never to have water? I mean, that would be pretty dismal. Well, that today's show, Craig Melvin comes and he interviews the people at Walmart They never knew what was going on. And he interviews the people in this school, and they have a big Henry Darby Day, and Walmart shows up, and they give the school $50,000. But you know how Americans are. When we hear a good story, we send money. It's like your grandma. You know, we send money. And money flowed into that school to help those people. Henry Darby, he called those kids the best of the best. You know, what would we call kids like that? Truthfully. State of South Carolina just gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award that's given to somebody who has made a profound impact on the lives of others. Okay, so why do I tell you that story? It's because temptation's never going away. Luther said it well, like the birds of the air. Temptation's never going away, but how do you fight it? You use your faith. You put your faith into action. It's like the, this little gospel light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. When you, and I invite you to go home and hum that song today and every day. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, because when the gospel light shines in me and you, Jesus, Jesus lives in us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the life everlasting. Amen.